Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Well, how true it is that we can't thank Him enough. Um, he's done more for you and I than, than we could ever, ever explain or ever tell, or really, I think, fully comprehend ourselves. And, uh, but we certainly, what we do know, we know He's been much kinder to us than we deserve. And uh, we can all sing along with that song this morning. And I thank God for his, for his kindness towards each one of us. And if you have your Bible today, we will find our passage of Scripture in Luke, Luke chapter number 15. We finished our study in Galatians last Sunday. As you find your place, I'll ask if you will to stand with me this morning as we read the Word of the Lord in honor and reference to His Word. Opening, opening 10 verses of the of the chapter. Luke chapter number 15. It says, Then drew near unto him, that him is a pronoun for Jesus, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, And go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver... If she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Father, we thank you for the service this morning we've been able to be a part of. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather together corporately uh, with other believers, Lord, and, and to worship your name and to adore, adore you. God, I'm thankful for those that have come in today who maybe don't know you in the free pardon of sin, who maybe have never been converted. Lord, I pray for them today. Lord, I'm thankful that they have come to a place where, Lord, they can be told of Jesus Christ, they can be told about their hope. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to do that now for saints and sinners alike. God, help me to handle your word with integrity. God, to preach your truth unto them. God, for my opinions and my perceptions and my preferences are irrelevant this morning. And God, those things are not things that we have to put faith in or not things that we should or can base our future on. God, those things are certainly nothing that we can cling to. But Lord, your word is is our anchor. And Father, I pray that we would see that and understand that this morning. I pray that with that, you'd give us a hunger for your truth and for your word. And Lord, help me to handle it with integrity and accuracy this morning so that what I say is truly what thus saith the Lord. God, give us a heart that carries out what we study today in obedience. Lord, help us to live our life in submission to you. And God, for the soul that might be here today that is lost, that, Lord, they've never put their faith in Christ. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that you would convict them of their sins, show them their need of a Savior, and, Lord, they'd put their faith in Christ so that they can be made new, be made a new creature, and enjoy eternal life. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your holiness, the fact that you're not like us. God, you're much higher and much, much different than we are. And God, we're grateful for that. We're grateful to know the one true God today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for standing. The most, the most mind-blowing thing about understanding God's nature is the way that He responds to sinners. In other words, you might say it like this, it's, it's God's mercy that I think is so hard to, to really fathom. And the reason that we find ourselves in Luke chapter number 15 this morning is as I begin to prepare my heart for revival next week, I, the, this, this one thought has been prevalent in my mind, and it is, that G, it is Jesus Christ as the good shepherd. And the more I live my Christian life and the more I grow in Christ, I think the thing that at, at least at this moment in time that I'm most grateful for is Jesus as my shepherd. Because the more I feel like I mature in Christ and the more that He works in me to form me to His image, the less self-dependent I get, the less self-righteousness uh, that I see, the more I see myself as a sheep who needs His help. The more I grow in Him, it's kind of uh, an ironic thing that takes place. The more I grow, the less I look to myself and the less I trust in myself, but the more I know and recognize that I need my shepherd. I am just a sheep who will wander, who will get injured, who will get himself ensnared, who will go walk off to dangerous places. I am a poor, broken sheep, and without Christ, I am in trouble. And it's become very precious to me, this idea of Jesus as my shepherd. He's the one who watches over me, and he's the one who cares for me, and he's the one that protects me. He's the one that when I've been wounded and hurt, he's the one that comes and binds up my wounds and sets me on the right path again. It's a very precious thing to think about Jesus Christ as our shepherd. And of course, my mind is pondered over a couple different passages, but one of, these, one of the passages that comes to my mind when I think of Jesus as the shepherd is Luke chapter number 15. Granted, he's using a parable here. He's using a parable to explain the rejoicing that takes place in heaven over a sinner that repents. But I think in this parable, we can see certainly Jesus and his, his heart, especially his heart for sinners. Luke chapter number 15, and some commentaries, or I've heard it explained before, as the lost and found chapter of the Bible. And if you read through this chapter, you'll understand why. Well, we read two of the reasons why, because two of the parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, of course, there's something lost and then it's found. The, the latter part of the chapter is the story of the prodigal son. Of course, he is lost, so to speak, and then he comes home again. So many refer to it as the lost and found chapter in the Bible. And for this passage to, to take any weight in your life, for this passage to mean anything to you, we're going to have to be reminded of a principle or truth that was brought to the forefront of our mind Wednesday night, and that is the reality of sin in all of our lives. To think about this question which we're leading up to, how does God respond to sinners? If you do not see yourself as a sinner today, then that question is useless to you. And the rest of this message this morning is going to seem very pointless for you to pay attention to. Even if you are saved and born again, we struggle every single day with sin. I said Wednesday night, and I'll take this opportunity to to explain this again, that our churches in general, not just Silver Springs Baptist Church, but I feel like every church, every Christian that I know, when we come together and, and join together in our local assemblies, our whole mentality and our whole purpose is to cover up all the things we did this week that we know are not right and that we know are sin according to the word of the Lord. 
We put off this facade that we have it all figured out, that we live the ideal Christian life. But I'm here to tell you today, we don't, myself included. We struggle with things every single day. Maybe as husbands, we don't treat our wife like Christ treats his church. Maybe we don't love her selflessly. Maybe we don't love her sacrificially. Maybe we don't show people around us the kindness that we should. Maybe we don't pursue Christ the way that we should. Maybe we don't have the desire to be given the way that we should. Whatever your struggle is, I, I know this, and I have, as I've been here a few months, I don't know everybody's specific struggle, but by studying the Word of the Lord, I can tell you this, everybody in here has a struggle. Every single one in here. Even if we've been saved and converted and set free of our sin, we still live in that struggle, as we studied in Galatians chapter number 5, that struggle of the flesh versus the new man that lives within us. We try to cover it up, we try to hide it, but it doesn't change the fact. And the amazing thing is that God does not eradicate us for our great unrighteousness. The more we learn about God and His perfection and His holiness, well then Luke chapter number 15 becomes that much more just encapsulating to our heart because Luke 15 reminds us that God responds very differently to sinners than eradicating them. Yes, God will judge the world in righteousness one day. And all those that try to stand in their own unrighteousness, or in, yeah, that, all, that try to stand in their own righteousness, will face the wrath of God for sin. And all throughout the Word of God, you will see and learn about how God responds to sinners. But Luke 15 gives us, I think, a special glimpse special insight into the heart of God for those who have failed. And that includes you and that includes me. If you've been saved this morning, I'm confident you'll find a blessing in thinking about how Luke 15 explains your salvation and what Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ has responded to you. If you've been lost, if you are lost this morning, have never been saved, then I'm confident that these verses will draw you to the Savior. And either result is worth pursuing this morning. So look with me in chapter number 15. The Bible says, first of all, God responds to sinners by receiving them. The Bible tells us here that then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And as you might expect, if you've studied any in the Gospels, the Pharisees and the scribes, they murmur against him, they complain, and they say, this man receiveth sinners and he eats with them. I believe it's the CSB version and your version may say something different, but where the King James says receiveth, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the CSB says welcomed. And the sinners and publicans were the most despised and rejected people in the culture of their day. Publicans, of course, were tax collectors and Maybe at baseline that doesn't sound all that bad, but they got their bad reputation because they were often harsh in the taxes that they gathered. They were greedy. They would charge more than what the Roman government was actually requiring them to charge, and often they would use deception as a part of that. They built their own wealth and their own pockets, if you will, by this office that they held. And the term sinner speaks of blatant sinners who 
who did not hide their sin, who did not cover up their sin. They were well known for what they did, which was wrong. A lot of times the Bible, when it speaks of prostitutes in their day, would have been referred to as sinners to give you an idea of who the kind of people this word would encapsulate. As we might say, and whether it's right or wrong, but so we can relate to the text, these are, this is the rough crowd. In this crowd, we find them drawing near to Jesus. And sinners of, of all ages, no matter whether we're in the year 2022 or 10, 20 years from now, sinners of all the ages would be wise to follow the example of this crowd of misfits here in these verses, and that is to draw near to Jesus. You see, the greatest, the thing that is so amazing about Christ Jesus, our Savior, is that He provides you a place of refuge. And that means so much when you take into account verse number two. Because where it look where something wonderful is happening here, these, these, these individuals who are wrapped up in sin, who are wrapped up in wrongdoing, who are unrighteous, the Pharisees and the scribes, all the good people of their society, and they were where they are finding a refuge in Jesus. There's, there's not a crowd here cheering and saying, man, that's, that's wonderful. Thank God for sending Jesus. Thank God for this person who gives these, these hopeless individuals a place of refuge. Though they're looking with content, you can hear the, the self-righteousness and you can hear the contempt and you can hear the condemnation. This man, you see him pointing at Jesus and saying, this, this guy, he, he talks to sinners and he, he welcomes them in and he's over there, he's sharing a meal with them. And in this day, that was like associating with them. It was a symbol that Jesus did not reject these people. And they're over here saying, look at, look at him eating with those people. And the more you grow in Christ, the more you understand that you are that crowd. You, you are the crowd. We, I, I'm including myself, we are that crowd that the self-righteous would look at and say, why is he eating with them? So thank God that he receives sinners, that he is willing to welcome them in. Because you see, these individuals, they thought they made themselves clean and pure and more righteous because they stayed away from people like this. Now imagine if Jesus had that same approach. You and I will be hopeless. Thank God that in Christ Jesus we have a place of refuge. We have one we can draw near to. He don't mind us being there. This group of people understood that or unlike the Pharisees who thought they could make themselves good by staying away from certain people, we must learn that we can only become good by drawing near to Jesus. I like what John MacArthur said. He said, Christ was not ashamed to be known as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So what we see happening here reminds us of the purpose of Jesus Christ, why He came to the world. He did not come to call those who are whole. They don't need a position. He came to call sinners to repentance. He came for this very crowd of people while the Pharisees and the scribes are looking and saying, can you believe that? Look who he's hanging out with. Jesus does not take this as a 
rebuke. Jesus does not shy away from this crowd of people because they are the ones that need him. See, self-righteousness is one of the greatest dangers you will face in your life. Because self-righteousness is, will be what keeps you from ever coming to Jesus. That's why self-righteousness is the difference of whether you'll be the crowd drawing near to Jesus or you're part of the crowd saying, look who he's hanging out with. I'm over here and I'm doing my good thing and I'm doing right and, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You're either going to be part of this crowd or you're going to be a part of the crowd that shows you have no good thing and you receive sinners and eat with them. And to this, to help explain why Jesus is receiving sinners and eating with them, Jesus tells them a parable. And in this parable, you will learn that Jesus pursues the sinner. Tells them something they can relate to. Now, you and I, we don't keep sheep in our day as far as, I, at least I don't. I don't know if you do. Um, but in their day, they would have been able to relate to this very well. So he says, what man of you having a hundred sheep? Okay, so imagine having a hundred sheep. If you lose one of them, are you not going to leave the 99 where they are in the wilderness and go find that one that's lost until you find it? And a parable this morning is a teaching, a teaching aid cast alongside the truth being taught. One of the most memorable, at least to me, definitions I've heard of, of parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. It casts additional light by using an arresting or familiar analogy. So when I hear a parable, I think of the term illustration. Like we use things that you can relate to to try to cast it alongside of a biblical eternal truth. That's what a parable did. Jesus used an earthly thing that they could have related to and then applied it to his eternal wisdom. And that's what he does here with this, this we'll call it a story. Now, if we understand that Jesus is using this to explain to them a bigger picture about why he is receiving and eating with sinners, then I think it's worth stopping and pausing a moment to think about the pursuit of this shepherd after his sheep. Think about all that's said in the phrase when you think again about the big picture and apply it to what we know to be true about the gospel. When you think about the words, go after that which is lost. Now, think about what it meant for Jesus to go after that which was lost. What that meant for him. That meant leaving heaven. That meant leaving the fellowship of the Father. To come to this earth. To take on a human body like you and I live in and walk in. To be beaten. To be mocked. To be rejected. To be crucified on a cross and endure pain like you and I can never imagine. That's him going after the lost sheep. That's him pursuing the sinner. And going after them until he found them. Jesus' death at Calvary is the pursuit of sinners. And we see that he was going to go after that sheep in verse number 4 until he found it. Until he came across that sheep. And studying, I read a poem by a lady named Elizabeth C. 
Lafayne, if I'm saying her name right, and I don't know anything about her, but I do like her poem. It says, But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep that was lost. I'm sure many of you have heard the quote, Jesus leaving 99 to find one seems crazy until you are the one. How true that is. Can I say this morning that you are, you are guilty of self-righteousness if you don't see yourself in this lost sheep? This passage will become very, very special to your heart when you see yourself as this little sheep that's lost. And until you see yourself that way, you're never going to be you're never going to come to Christ. You're never going to look to Him for hope because you're not going to see the need in it. But every single person here, if you've never put your faith in Christ, you are this lost sheep. To put what I was saying a second ago in a different way, self-righteousness makes you think that you're part of the 99 who are fine and who are where they need to be versus being this one who's lost and is way. But I emphasize in verse number 7, Jesus says, he's talking about how they rejoice over the one sinner that repents. As compared to the 99 which need no repentance, the, the, there's no one who does not need repentance. What Jesus is saying too is, is that those 99 who think they need no repentance, this crowd of Pharisees is part of that 99 that thinks, what do I need to come to Jesus for? I, I'm doing things pretty well. I have things pretty well figured out. Again, you're either in that crowd or the crowd that's going to draw near, near to Jesus. I like what Dr. David Jeremiah says. In Christianity, God searches for, goes after people as opposed to other religions where people attempt to find God. And you, and you and I, if, we, if God will make this truth real in our lives, that he pursued us. Because we could not find our way back, if you, to use this parable that's given. We were the sheep that was lost, and we would have never made our way back to the fold. He came and got us. What that cost him, what that meant for him. Knowing who you are. And knowing full well about all that struggle I refer to in the opening of the service. You know yourself better than anybody. You know how your heart don't align to the perfection of Christ, but yet he came after us to redeem us, to deliver us from that sin in which we lived in. But then lastly this morning, Jesus rejoices over restored sinners. He says in verse number 5, he searched now and he's found it. And when he has found it, I love this picture, he layeth it on his shoulders. See the care, the compassion of the shepherd. He doesn't jerk it. He doesn't hook a collar to it and a chain and begin jerking it and say, if you're going to act like that, then I'll, you know how we often do with, with animals. When they do what we don't want them to do, we're harsh. And, or we might even say, if you're going to act like that, you can, just, you can run off. But not Jesus. He, he goes and finds this little sheep that, and maybe it was too hurt or maybe it got into some trouble and it couldn't walk back. It didn't have the strength. 
And Jesus, as the great shepherd that he is, takes up the sheep and you can see him placing it upon his shoulders. And the shepherd in this parable is rejoicing. He is thankful to have found this lost sheep, to have been able to restore this sheep to the fold. He's so excited, he cannot contain his excitement, this shepherd in this parable. So when he comes home, he gets on Facebook and he creates a page and he invites everybody over to his house so they can all celebrate together. And he says, will you come celebrate with me? Because I had a sheep that was lost, but I found it. And now it's brought home. It's safe. It's where it needs to be. It's secure. Everything is well. Will you come celebrate with me? And then Jesus brings the, the whole point of this parable home. Why is, he telling this, why is he telling this parable? Why did he start to say this when the Pharisees and the scribes are murmuring against him? He says, I say unto you that likewise. So similarly, just like in that parable, now he's taking that earthly truth or that earthly story, and applying it to a heavenly truth. And he says, Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. You can see the heart of God and what brings him joy. What is it that the Bible says brings heaven joy? It's when a sinner repents and is restored. The joy of God is not when you convince everyone around you that you are better than you are. The joy of God is not when you put on a facade and you maybe go through the motions of Christianity and you come to church and you maybe serve in different areas, but there is no real fellowship with Christ and there's never been true faith put in Christ. That's not what brings heaven to rejoice. What brings heaven to rejoice when you acknowledge yourself as a sinner, repent of that sin, and then Christ restores you. The more I have meditated on these verses, pondered on these verses, I think that most of modern Christianity, a lot of it, stops after verse number four. In other words, we forget that how was this, this the sheep that's restored to the fold is compared to the sinner that repents. Repentance is often lost, I think, in the Christianity that we often see in the, the limelight in our day. Yes, God receives sinners. Christ receives sinners. Yes, He pursues sinners. If you don't believe me, the cross is His pursuit of sinners. That's Him coming after those who did not know Him. That's Him restoring, making a way of restoration. He has pursued the sinner. But there has to be a remorse, there has to be shame, there has to be repentance over our sin. Repentance is a change of the inner man. It's a change of the mind, it's a change of the inner man towards in reference to accepting the will of God, as I read this past week. Repentance is when you, decide, when you see the ugliness of your sin. Repentance is... To again go back to the illustration I used a second ago, you're over here with this crowd and you realize I'm not, I'm not good, I'm not perfect, I'm not righteous, I have failed. I realize that I am wrong. The way I think, the way I do, the way I act, all that is not according to the perfection of Christ. 
And repentance is turning away from all that sin and all that rebellion and coming to Christ. That's the sinner who is restored. In other words, what I'm saying is, is yes, he were, Jesus received sinners, and yes, he pursued sinners, but that's not, that's not where we can stop because then people begin to just relish in their sin and think that Christ is pleased with them in their sin, and that's not the case. There has to be repentance. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people have taken the wonderful truth that we've studied in the opening verses of this chapter and used that as an excuse for sin, and used that as a reason to feel good in their sin. I mean, Christ welcomed in the crowd that nobody else wanted. Yes, He did. And yes, He came to the cross, but it was not to leave you in your sin. It was to deliver you out of your sin. Which He will do when you come to Him and put faith in Him. Many of us read, I think, the snarky and the, the high and mighty attitude of the Pharisees and the scribes, and we think, how could anyone act like that? But unfortunately, we are oftentimes more guilty of acting like that than we realize. And I think self-righteousness is one of the most false ideas that a human being can possess in their life. And self-righteousness will separate you from God forever. God rescues sinners, as we see in the text. But the self-righteous exclude themselves from His hand. The self-righteous are comparable to the 99. Whereas that, that sheep that's lost that the Savior goes after is the repenting sinner. And heaven rejoices over that one. Jesus is saying, I'm here with this crowd because they're the ones that need me. We could read verses 8 through 10 as a conclusion this morning. Jesus uses a different parable, a different earthly truth to illustrate his point. There's a woman in verses 8 through 10 who's lost a coin. She has 10, but she loses one. And she doesn't say, well, it's all right, I need it. She, she searches diligently. She lights a candle to find this one coin or piece of silver that she has lost. She seeks the house diligently, the King James says, until she finds it. And similarly, when she finds it, she don't just say, well, that's good. Thankfully, I found that. She, she has a party. She calls all her friends and her neighbors together and say, come celebrate with me, I've found what I've lost. And so Jesus brings home the truth again and he says, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth because that sinner is restored. That sinner is brought back into the fold. That sinner is no longer lost. I ask you if you would to stand with me this morning and Mark, if you don't mind to come around, our musicians can... Come around and as you are able, you can begin playing, Miss Tamara. But I like what the Believer's Bible commentary said. It said, These stories, and speaking of the stories in Luke 15, these parables, were aimed directly at the scribes and Pharisees who were never broken before God to admit, to admit their lost condition. So my call to you this morning is don't deceive yourself. Believe God's word which says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. At best, that's what you are. That's what I am outside of Jesus Christ. But knowing that, let the hope of God enter your situation. That you can be restored. Come to him because he receives sinners. 
believe God's word. Believe God's word that says you are a sinner and you have failed, but believe God's word which you've studied this morning that says Jesus goes after the lost and the wandering sheep. Will you acknowledge your sinfulness before God today and draw near to Him through Jesus Christ? You might feel a lot like this crowd of people might have felt where the scribes and Pharisees are saying, can you believe who he's eating with? Can you believe? I mean, does he know what they've done, what they've been guilty of? Maybe that's the way you feel people look at you. Well, can I tell you today, Jesus does not look at you that way. Jesus, when you come to him, will not say, please take a step back. He receives sinners so that he can restore you, deliver you from your sin. If you need to come today as Mark comes around and leads us, I urge you to respond to the Lord in obedience if he's dealt with your heart today as Mark leads us in our song. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.